take notes on it as well if you need to. Um, so I'm going to start by reading in Matthew chapter 25 um, and in verse 14 and my computer's freaking out here um, and in verse 14 it says again it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them to one he gave five bags of gold another two bags, to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once, put his money to work, and gained five more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. And the man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. He said, Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things, so I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came to the master. He said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came to the master, and he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. So here we see... You know, a lot of times the sermon gets preached on the story and it's more of like, use what you've been given. Take the amount of gold that you've been given and, you know, you can use it for, for God no matter the size of what you have. You can use it for God. You can, you can make an investment and you can gain things. But I want to look at something just a little bit differently here that's found in the text that I believe will truly be life-changing if you grab it. It's easy to miss because it's just a few words, but here we have three different servants that have been entrusted with something by their master. We have three different servants. We have one master, but we get two different results here, and two of the servants doubled what been given to them. They doubled what was given to them. One of them came back and only was returned the same thing that was given to him because he was afraid. He said he hid it in the ground. So everyone, so the five turned into ten, the, the two turned into four, but this one, he came back with the only thing that was given to him. Uh, let's look at verse 24 again. It says, Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, 
I knew that you are a hard man. Everyone say, I knew that you are a hard man. So that is what he viewed. He viewed his master as a hard man. And regardless if that was true, maybe it was true. Maybe it wasn't true. But the reality is that's what he chose to focus on when it came to his investment. That was what he chose to focus on. That was the perception that he had. And the perception that he had of his master, it costed him what he should have received. He could have doubled what he had, but because of the perception of what he chose to focus on, because it was the same master to the people with five. It was the same master to the people with two. But this guy focused on the fact that his master was a hard man. So he was freaked out. So he buried the money in the ground. He buried the bag of gold. I believe that if you catch this, because your perception can cost you what God's trying to give you. Just because of your perception, the way you're looking at things will cost you what God wants to give you. The freedom that you've been waiting for, the change, the the value that you've been waiting for can simply just be a perspective switch. It can simply just be a perspective switch because regardless if it was true or not, his perspective costed him. His perspective costed him. See, the other two servants didn't view him. Maybe they did view him as a hard man, but they chose not to focus on it. You follow me? They chose not to focus on it, and they were able to double the portion that they were given because of what they focused on. See, that's what I want to talk about tonight. I'm going to take just a few minutes, and I want to talk about a perspective shift. Because I think it's very important if we get a perspective shift, I think we'll begin to start stepping into and receiving the things that God has for us. Receiving the things that we've been praying for, the things that that we dream about, it just comes down to a perspective shift. See, perspective is very, very important. You know who has the worst perspective? Anyone know who has the worst perspective? Kids have the worst perspective. If you have kids, you know Kids have the worst perspective in life, right, Sam? I mean, seriously. And you know what? It's hard to be a parent because, you know, you want to have compassion and you're like, man, I know your feelings are, I want to validate your feelings, but at the same time, you know, you, you, you want to let them know to have a perspective shift. And see, we've, in the Martinez household, we've had lots of circumstances that have come and gone through our house. And, and yesterday, one of a big major circumstance that has hit our house with our youngest, our eight-year-old Jackson, um, he came upstairs. I'm trying to work, and he just comes up with tear-filled eyes and this so sad face like it's the end of the world. I literally, I thought he was in trouble or something like that, and I was like, oh, man, what's wrong, buddy? And turns out, you know, we're selling his pet turtle and his pet tortoise, and he was just so sad about this turtle that he, I think, forgot lived in our house, to be honest with you. I think he forgot the turtle lived in our house until we started to talk about selling the turtle. And then all of a sudden, he wanted to be sitting in front of the fish tank while we were selling it. He just sat there so sad, and he didn't want us to sell it. And then we put it in the lady's car that bought it, and he asked if he could go say goodbye. And he never even wanted to talk to the turtle any other time. But all of a sudden, there was a connection there. And that was his per- – I mean, the, the reality is, is I could have I, I done many things when he came upstairs with those tear-filled eyes. But I had to look at him and say, it's going to be okay. You know, I had to kind of 
have compassion on him even though it's not what I wanted to tell him. But, you know, I had to find the balance of, you know, empathizing with him and letting him know, like, I understand how you feel. But, you know, at the same time, I want to say, you know, Jackson, life's going to give you things that are way worse than this. You're going to lose a whole lot more than just a turtle in your life. And, um, but all he could focus on was selling that turtle and how the one he forgot is now leaving our house. And I have to teach him that, you know, life's going to get so much worse. And, you know, life gets so much worse than me not giving you a snack before bed. You know, life gets so much worse than whatever little thing that he sees as the end of the world, you know, and I have to find that balance. And we as parents have to find that balance, you know, I mean, even with my girls, it's, it's, we've had many conversations about, you know, uh, friendships, you know, and sometimes friends are in our lives for a reason. Friends are in our lives for a season. And, you know, I have to sometimes, you know, I can think of many conversations where it's been like, you know, wanting to be compassionate, but at the same time, like, look, in 12 months from now, you're not even going to remember you had those particular friends and, you know, having those things. But really, it's just a perspective shift, right? I just trying to get them to see a difference of perspective. Our children need a perspective shift, right? But the truth is, if we're honest, we all need a perspective shift. The truth of the matter is, aren't we the same way sometimes in life? When life hits us, when circumstances hit our lives, we may not throw a tantrum the same way my eight-year-old would, but don't we throw our own tantrums? Don't we sometimes need a perspective shift? We, come, we become discontent, or we start comparing our lives with somebody else, or we start looking at what they have and what we don't have, and all of a sudden now we want what they have, even though we didn't really care, and it's all just a perspective shift. That's all it is, is just a perspective shift. And that the reality is, is that's what we built this church on. It's just changing perspective. That's, that's the whole point, 2020, right? It's like 2020 is perfect vision. So I can look at something, I can look at this pulpit with 2020 vision, but if I put my wife's glasses or contacts on, this pulpit's going to look completely different. Trust me, she has astigmatism. It looks different. If I were to give you my glasses and you were to look at this same thing, it's going to look a whole lot different when you have your glasses on. All it is, it, nothing changes about this. All it is is the way you look at it. All it is is the lenses that you look through things. And that's what this church is. It, I can't change you. I can't change your circumstances. I can't change your crazy family. I can't change your crazy in-laws. I can't change your spouse. I can't change your children. But the hope is that I can just somehow you come in here and you can get a different perspective on it. You can look at it a little bit differently. You can look at it through different lenses. And that's, that's the whole point because the object doesn't change. The circumstance doesn't change. Our lives don't change. All that changes is the lenses that we're looking through. And so that's what 2020 is about. If anyone wanted to know, that's what 2020 is about. Looking at God through the right lenses. Man, there's so many twisted views of God. There's so many things that people, I think sometimes even Jesus, if he heard what people were saying about God, I think he would even be like, what are you talking about? You know, and so that's why we're trying to say like, you know what? I can't tell you how many times people, when I invite them to church, they're like, oh yeah, well, lightning will strike once I walk in the building. And it's like, 
man, God's not like that. We need to have the correct lenses. We have to be able to view God appropriately. And once we look at God through the correct lenses, we'll be able to see ourselves through the correct lenses. And once we see ourselves through the correct lenses, we'll be able to see everyone else through the correct lenses. And we'll be able to see our circumstances through the correct lenses. And that's what life's all about. That's how we make it through life. So many times we're praying for our circumstances to change. And all we need to do is look at them from a different angle and we can make it right through. But we're spending so much time praying that they'll go away. And maybe it just needs to be a perspective shift. Does anybody know what this is right here? Microscope. Can you move this up here a little bit? Um, a microscope. We all know what a microscope is, right? A microscope. You can just put it on the side right here. Um, a microscope, it takes something that's very, 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 very small, and it makes it very, very, very big, right? Very easy. That's science, one, that's science 101, right? A microscope helps you gain a new perspective on things. A microscope gives you a new perspective of things. I mean, you could, certain microscopes can take one thing and magnify it by 2,500 times its size certain microscopes. And that's what it does. It takes these small, insignificant things, these microscopic things, and makes them humongous. See, there's a, I don't know if you know this, but there's a microscopic world <laughs> that lives around us every single day that we have no clue what goes on. I want to kind of let you into some studying that I did this week. So uh, if we could bring the first slide up. <clears throat> Everybody know what that is? <laughs> Y'all are going to learn something tonight, even if it has nothing to do with Jesus. Uh, what is that? A pillow. We all have a pillow, right? Everyone has a pillow. But did you know that underneath your pillow, underneath the microscope, looks like this? So those little dust mites that feed off of your dead skin, there's like probably a bajillion of those running around your pillow right now, and you have no idea. And there's no scientific proof that they crawl all over your face while you're sleeping, but, I mean, how could they not, right? If they're just... Anyway, so we won't spend too much time. How about this next one? Everyone know what that is? You want to see what a tongue looks like under a microscope? Next slide. So, yeah, that's what your tongue looks like under a microscope. Next slide. An eyeball. An eyeball under a microscope. Looks like that. Um, next one. Okay, this is probably worse than the pillow. Um, so, what's that? An eyelash? Okay, next slide. So, not so much the eyelash that is gross, but those things that live in your eyelashes, those feed off of your dead skin. And they basically, when you're sleeping, they come out and they uh, reproduce, if you will. They have a party on your face and then go back into your eyelashes. So they just continue to reproduce. So, so that's what happens on your eyelashes. Um, yeah. Anyway. 
So that's so that's a little into the microscopic world around us. All right, you can take that off. It's a little gross. Um, so here's the thing, though. Here's my balancing statement. Yes, we have circumstances, and yes, we have things in our lives that we've microscoped. We have things that are insignificant in the reality of what God's trying to do in our life, it's insignificant, and we've magnified it. We've, we've put it under a microscope, and I'm not saying the struggle isn't real. I'm not saying that you don't go through things. I'm not saying that the circumstances that you're facing aren't hard because, God, I, circumstances are tough. Life is hard sometimes. We face things that are hard sometimes. And so I'm not trying to say just close your eyes and pretend like nothing's going on. I'm just saying we've made it look, have we made it look bigger than it really needs to look in our lives? Has our perspective made whatever we're going through look bigger because we've put it under a microscope? See, what if our ticket to freedom is just changing the lenses that we're looking through? What if that's all our ticket is? What if instead of using a microscope, what if we use one of these? Does everyone know what this is? telescope. See, both of these things here are just tubes with lenses in them, but they give you a very different perspective on things. They give you a very different perspective, and what if we start using a telescope in our lives instead of a microscope? What if we, what if we start, instead of taking something that is so small and microscopic and making it huge, what if we take something like God what if we take something that seems so far away, that seems so like out of touch, and we, get, we begin to look at it in real life, in life size? We look at it like it's sitting right in front of us. What if we do that? What if instead of looking at the fears that we have through a microscope, what if we start looking at faith through a telescope? What if we quit looking at what we can't do through a microscope, and we start looking at what God can do through us through a telescope? What if we quit looking at the things that we don't have in life through a microscope, and we start looking at what we do have through a telescope? I mean, I can go on. What if we quit looking at our beauty through a microscope, and we start looking at who we are and who our image is through a telescope? See, the danger of not using a telescope is that you miss the beauty of God's goodness. Instead, you're just going to be grossed out all the time. I mean, I, there's not been a time that I've looked at them and through a microscope. I mean, just looking at those things, it grosses you out, right? See, I don't know about you, but every time I've used a microscope, I've kind of just been like, that's disgusting. <laughs> because there's things that live in our skin, our pillow, shopping carts, our cell phones, that if you put under a microscope, you wouldn't like what you see. In our houses, swimming pools, that's really bad. Y'all should look up what's in the swimming pool under a microscope. Um, but when you look at, and that's the same thing when you look at the circumstances that you're facing. When you put those things under a microscope, I mean, literally, they make you want to kill yourself sometimes. They make you feel overwhelmed. They make you want to run. Right? Because, yes, the circumstances are real, but when we've magnified them, then that's when it becomes gross. That's when it becomes overwhelming. But, everyone say but. This is a big but. 
Turn to someone and say, I like big butts. Just one T, one T. See, when you take a telescope and you look at a tiny little light in the sky that you don't even know it has color, but you look at it through a telescope, you get to see the beauty of what that thing is. You get to see the beauty of the God who made the solar system. And I'm here to tell you that if you begin to look at God, the God of the universe that looks and seems so far away sometimes, you'll begin to see his beauty. If you take the Bible, the word of God, which seems so confusing sometimes, so hard to read, but if you look at it through a telescope and you take one little thing and you one promise of God and you bank on it, I promise you'll start to see things a little bit differently. When you realize that God created you on purpose, for a purpose, you can hang on to that. When you realize that God knows the plans that he has for you, God has plans to give you hope and a future. When you realize God knows the numbers of hairs on your head, when you realize that God created you in his own image, when you realize God did not give you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind, when you realize those things and believe those things, that's looking through a telescope. When you begin to live like you believe those things, that's living life through the telescope. It's just a perspective shift. Nothing changes, just your perspective. When you realize you're actually a child of God, life becomes a whole lot different. When you really believe that you are a child of God, because if you really understood what it means to be a child of God, you wouldn't look at anything through a microscope. No longer would you give anything the magnification that it doesn't deserve because you know who your daddy is. Because you know that no matter how big, how wide, how deep your problems are, daddy has your back. And you know there's a God in heaven that has your back because you're his child. I want to give you just three quick areas that we commonly look at microscopically. So... The first one is our past. Man, there's so many times where we just give our, we give our past too much magnification. We give our past too much magnification. I remember, oh, when I was in second grade, and I was chosen to go read to the kindergartners, and I went into the kindergarten classroom, and I had my book. And they were all sitting there on the carpet, ready for uh, the cool second grader to come read them a story. And I'm sitting there reading them. I'm reading. And all of a sudden, one of the kids raises his hand. And he says, uh-oh, water, because I peed my pants. <laughs> and I was like, oops, and like just devastated. I was trying to be a cool second grader, but... I held it far too long. And, and then I think that same year I was playing baseball. Again, I don't know why. And my kids do this. They hold, they hold their pee first ever. And, okay, the boys. Sorry, Ash. Sorry, Jalen. The boys do it. Uh, okay, so, like, it's a blood oath if I say it from the mic. But anyway, so I'm playing a baseball game, and I had to go so bad. And I figured I could just... Let it go, and then I'll just put some dirt on it, and then nobody will know. It'll just be like I just went sliding in for home base or something. So that's exactly what I did. But as an 8-year-old kid, or however old I was, 
it made mud on my pants. So you could clearly tell I just peed my pants. And so, man, like those are the things where I'm like, when I think about, when I look at pictures or when I think about me trying to be a cool second grader, like those things haunt me in my past. And I'm like, man, I hope I never, ever run into those people again. I hope nobody remembers that about me. And I'm just like, so those are some stories from my past. And if we're constantly allowing our past to be magnified, we're never going to get a hold of what God wants to do with us in the future. If we're constantly putting our past underneath a microscope and giving it too much magnification, we'll never be able to move forward and grab a hold of what God wants for us in the future. See, my story, the stories that I had, those were funny stories. But if we're honest, there's people in here that have something in their past that is not really something you can laugh at. It's something more funny than me just peeing my pants. And, yeah, I brought up something that happened many, 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 many years ago. But, see, when I'm talking about your past, I'm talking about things you did yesterday. I'm talking about something you did last night. Something you did last week. See, I'm tired of sermons that talk about your past as if, oh, that was five, ten years ago, and now I've arrived, and I don't have a past anymore. Like, I want you to know there's things that when we talk about getting rid of the past and not magnifying the past, I'm talking about what you did on the way here, what you thought about on the way here. God's grace covers your past. God's grace covers your past. We all have a past, and it's about time that we quit using our past as an excuse for why we can't do something. It's about time that we turn our past, grab a telescope, and use our past as a reason, as a testimony for looking God's goodness. Look at God's goodness. Look, at, in spite of what I've been through, in spite of what's happened to me, in spite of what I've done, in spite of what I think, in spite of me being me, God still chose to do something great in my life. See, we can all look at a moment, a minute, a day, a situation, that we wish didn't happen, right? Y'all with me or is it just me? We all have that moment. We all have that season or something where we wish didn't happen, all of us. But 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. You're a new creation in Christ. That's what living life under the telescope is. It's believing that it's not just for somebody else, but taking it personally and say, you know what? I'm in Christ. I believe in God, so I know I'm a new creation. I don't have to live under the magnification of my past. I don't have to surrender to that anymore. And see, Paul is talking to the Corinthian church, and if you know anything about that church, they did some bad things. That church was a mess, but it still applied. The telescope would be holding on to the promise that you're a new creation because it sounds so far away it sounds so in the distance, but if we can look at it through the telescope, we start to believe it like it's sitting right in front of us. The second thing, if you want to come up, uh, is our present. See, another thing we magnify is our present, the mess, the mess that we're in right now, today, the circumstances that we're facing right now, the situation that we find ourselves in today. And the reality is, is the one thing you need to believe is that 
God loves you in spite of that. Jalen and Ash. <clears throat> See, the reality is, is right here, right here. Our lives are messy. Each one of our lives are messy. These are my three of four. This is three of four right here. Um, and their lives are messy. His life is messy. Her life is messy. Her life is messy. All of our lives are messy, right? But the reality is, is man, I love these kids. I love them with everything that I have, but not because of their performance, not because of how clean their lives are, not because of what they do, but simply just because of their position. The position that they have in my life are my children. My position as a dad, it doesn't matter what their lives are like because they're my children. Not because of what they do for me, but because nothing more, nothing less, they're my children. See, and there's some of you that are waiting to receive God's love or have a hard time receiving God's love because you're waiting for your life to be cleaned up first. Yeah, you can go sit down. Um, see, God loved us before we even thought about loving him. God loved us. That song we sing, when we didn't even believe in him, God still loves us. When we turn our back on him, God still loves us. He's still chasing us down. And the enemy's going to do everything he can to make us think our lives are just too dirty to receive God's love, just too messy. But I can't tell you how many times I've walked into a situation where one of my kids is full of blood, full of vomit, full of poop, and I don't, when they reach their arms up and want me to pick them up, I don't say, whoa, 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 whoa. Better clean up first. Clean it up first. Clean it up first. No. Because at that point, when a situation happens, I don't care if it's one in the morning, I throw my dad cape on and I'm like, I got to handle this situation because I'm bigger than that bloody nose. I'm bigger than whatever the throw up is or whatever because I have to take charge. And there's a God in heaven who spins the solar system that's bigger than any situation we're facing, that's bigger than any circumstance that we're facing or going through. And he doesn't look at us and say, oh, go clean it up first. Clean your mess up first. Believing that there's a God who loves us and we can receive that, again, that's living life through the telescope. Because it seems so far away, God seems so far away sometimes when our lives are messy. When we look at what we're dealing with today, God seems so far away. But if we believe that he loves us, that brings it back to reality. And then the last thing is our future. Yes, it's okay to plan, but let's not magnify our future. Sometimes... Sometimes, don't we just have to live one day at a time? Like, let me just make it through today. Let me just make it through half the day. When we're trying to 
change things. We're trying to become a better father, be, trying to become a better spouse, trying to become a better child, whatever it is. Sometimes we just have to say, you know what? I'll start with the first two hours of my day. And if I can make it through that, then we'll be good. Then I'll focus on the next two hours. But if we sit there and we're like, man, I, I'm looking two, three weeks. I'm looking months, years out. It's going to be overwhelming. No wonder you never start. No wonder you just sit there paralyzed because it's like, I don't even know where to start. But looking through a telescope is like Matthew 6, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I don't care if you... I don't care if you're a Buddhist. I don't care if you don't believe in God. I don't care what you believe. You know this is true. Each day has enough trouble of its own, right? You don't have to believe in God to believe. Every day has enough trouble to worry about, let alone be thinking about tomorrow. But if we believe that, if we believe God has control of everything and he will provide for us if we seek him first, that's bringing it back to reality, something that seems so far away. Everyone stand on your feet. I want to ask you, and I want you to ask and answer the question, how long will you continue using a microscope? How long will you continue magnifying something that doesn't deserve that magnification. That fear doesn't deserve the magnification. Anxiety doesn't deserve the magnification. Anger doesn't deserve the magnification. Your past doesn't deserve that magnification. It's time you pick up a telescope. Again, we're just changing lenses here. That's all we're doing. We're not changing circumstance. We're not swapping lives with someone that has a better life than you. We're not changing families here like wife swap. All we're doing is picking up a different set of lenses. It's time you pick up a telescope and see the beauty of who God is. See the beauty of what he wants to do in your life. So as I'm praying, I just want you to do business with God. You make the application. Y'all are going to hear me say that every week. I don't know what your application is. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what microscope you need to put down. I don't know what telescope you need to pick up, but you do. For some of you, it may just be, I do believe that there is a God and that he loves me. So as Jeremiah is playing, I want you just to close your eyes and just picture yourself putting down the microscope and picking up the telescope.
So one thing that God just spoke to me right now is there's many of you in here. It's not just one person. There's many of you here that when I, bring, when I brought my children up here and I was talking about God and me loving my children, because of the situation you have with your earthly father, you can't relate. Because you don't know, how can I call somebody my father that I can't see when the person who was supposed to be in my life and love me like a father wasn't there? And what God would say is, we're going to take that out from underneath the microscope. What he wants you to do is he wants you to receive his love as a father because I promise you again your circumstances won't change but I promise you God will never leave God will never leave God will never force you to love him God will never Look at you with disgust because you're messy. I feel like that's what God wants to, God wants to shower his fatherly love over y'all tonight. He wants to give you a new perspective of what a daddy is, a new perspective of what a father is. And maybe that's, if that's your only telescope you walk out of here with, is knowing the father's love, that makes it all worth it. Dear God, we just thank you so much for everyone that's here today, God. For everyone listening in, God, that we would we would begin to put down the microscope. We'd quit picking up the microscope. God, and we'd begin to look through a telescope. God, we'd begin to look at you through a different set of lenses. We begin to look at our lives through a different set of lenses. And I just thank you for everyone here, God. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to create an atmosphere and create a place for people to do business with you, God. We can't change anybody can't force anybody to do anything. We can't change any circumstances. All we can change is the lenses and the perspective that we look at you through. God, I thank you that you love each and every one of us here, God. 
I pray that as we go, God, you would keep us safe, Lord God. I pray that everyone here would realize, God, that today is the first day to the rest of their lives, God. No longer will their past define them. No longer will their present define them. And no longer will their future define them. But we can trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen.